This is Jim Colburn of Commodity Research Group. I'm with Andy LeBeau, also of Commodity Research Group, and we're here to talk about energy markets. To learn more about us, you can check out our website, commodityresearchgroup.com, where we post our podcasts and blog. We would like to thank our friends at EKT Interactive Oil and Gas Training for hosting this podcast. Check out their newsletters, podcasts, and learning modules at ektinteractive.com. This podcast should be construed as market commentary, merely observing economic, political, and market conditions, and is not intended to refer or endorse any particular trading system, strategy, or recommendation. We are not responsible for trading decisions taken by anyone, especially those not intended to listen. Information is not guaranteed to be accurate. This is not an offer to buy or sell any derivative. Today is June 11th. Andy LeBeau. Jim, how are you doing? I'm doing good, thanks. And um, let's pick up from our last podcast uh, back in May where we came out of that thinking we were going to move, the the market price was going to move sideways to higher, and uh, we were wrong. It, we uh, were wrong. That yes. was that was uh, that was a horrendous call. The one thing I don't know if you, if you if you could take solace from the fact that we were not the only ones that were wrong. Yeah, nah, it doesn't work for me. Doesn't work for you. <laughs> no. Yeah, me neither. But yeah. it, you know, sometimes it's like, all right, yeah, you know, I'm, not, uh, I'm not the only guy that messed this up. I think so. I think I would rather be wrong alone, and and right, you know, than 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 wrong in a crowd, something, something like that. Anyway, yeah. what uh, happened? What, what, what did we miss? Or what what did didn't we... happen? Yes. Uh, yeah, what, what didn't happen? I, I think what we missed, well, first of all, during the month, the, the uh, Chinese the trade negotiations with, with China pretty much fell apart. So I, I think that was certainly a, a bearish factor. And then uh, Trump decided he was going to slap a 5% tariff on uh, on Mexico, which uh, also got the markets pretty unhinged, or got the equity markets unhinged and didn't help the uh, the petroleum markets. But uh, I think that that what we saw in our market in, in particular was was the fact that inventories built by way more, way more than uh, what we had, uh, what we had anticipated, and really what the market had anticipated, Jim. You know, if you if you had looked at the balances, you know, we it, it looked as though second quarter inventories were, were going to draw by uh, hundreds of thousands of barrels a day, and uh, the reality was that uh, that they, they've been building, and uh, at least in the in the U.S., which I'm, which we're going to talk about in, in detail coming up. So I think that was certainly one bearish factor, uh, and um, no doubt concerns over uh, over the world growth uh, vis-a-vis the trade, the world slowdown, and the markets trying to figure out what's that going to mean for uh, demand growth going forward. And uh, actually, demand in May was was uh, pretty crummy. Finally. The position, the, the bet was long, and uh, the commitment of traders showed in uh, March and April that uh, longs to short were you know, double digits in, in both Brent and in, uh, and in WTI. 
and uh, that that position was, was liquidated on, on a, a fairly grand scale. Uh, so you you had long liquidation thrown in, and I think that's just some of those things. Uh, Jim, you you may have another one or two. Yeah, no, I was thinking um, when you say long to short, you're talking about the the ratio of long position, uh, speculative length versus speculative short positions. Right. Right. Yeah. Yep, and you, and that and that got you, that got stretched a little, is what you're saying? Yeah, it got it got stretched a lot. In, yeah, in a pretty in uh, a pretty short period of time. At one point in uh, April, WTI was uh, fourteen to one. Brent was sixteen to one. So that's longs to short, which is uh, definitely on the long side right now. Uh, WTI is uh, four to one. And Brent is seven to one. So as I said, I mean, major liquidation thrown in here. Now, the, um, the correlation with the uh, S&P with crude oil based off the uh, CME's uh, correlation tool, if you go like one month uh, time period, it's plus 0.52. Six months, it's about the same. You go out a year, it's uh, only plus uh, 0.37. So you know, we've been the, the, when the stock market moves, the oil market's going with it, and I guess the you know the the connection there is is um, global growth, right? I mean, that's right, right. It's um, yeah. So um, uh, the let's let's talk about these stock levels for just a second here. That the, the big three organizations that come out with supply demand estimates on a monthly basis uh, we, that we talk about is the EIA, uh, the IEA, and OPEC. And the EIA came out today, and um, they still show a draw in the second quarter inventories of uh, 200,000 barrels, despite this weakening demand. So is that a number you, you're with or you, you yeah, get? Yeah, I, I, I was with. Uh, yeah, I definitely was with, um, you know, I thought the draw in the second quarter would be something like two to 400,000. So, uh, you know, I, I definitely was with that, but I, uh, you know, in, uh, April and in May, uh, U S total inventories built by a million barrels a day. So uh, we'll probably will, should draw in in June to get that million barrels a day number down to maybe five to six hundred, but for us to have a global stock draw, clearly it's got to draw elsewhere in, in the globe. And you know, I'm 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 not sure that well that could be happening because the uh, you know while the Western Hemisphere we we've moved into a carry market into a contango, the the East the Brent market still is pretty tight. Uh, you know, that's still, that's still backward dated. So, you know, that, that would indicate that, uh, stocks have, have drawn, but, you know, we're going to have to see some kind of U S stock draw, Jim, to get, yeah. to get it's, that down, to get that to draw 200. Well, is, is, is some of that, uh, U S I mean, some of the U S build is, is due to the weather. I mean, the pipelines, um, getting out of Cushing were, were, I guess what some of the pipelines going to the refineries were down and some of them get, you know, basically moving out of Cushing were down. And so that, that caused some of the build. Right. Right. I, I think, uh, you know, that, but, but, but not all of it. No, not, not even close to all of it. I, the big reason for the crude is makes up for a, a 
fairly significant share of the total stock build. And, you know, one of, one of the reasons why crude has built so much during April and May is that it, the, the demand for crude, as evidenced in crude runs, what, what we actually run through a refinery has really been soft because these refiners have, have had all kinds of trouble getting their refineries to, to operate at uh, anywhere near peak capacity. Part of that is weather. You know, there have been floods. The Midwest has been inundated. There have been floods in, in Louisiana. So as a result, and, and refiners are taking some prolonged turnarounds uh, to get ready for the IMO. But, you know, we're running, we're running a good half a million barrels a day below where we should. So, um, you know, there's, there's half of it right there in the crew right. build, Jim, you right. know, is, is what's happened on the, on the refinery side. The, another uh, piece of this weakness is it could it be that people were buying ahead of the the sanctions or the or the expiry of the waivers and yeah. now and so they bought a bunch before that and then now they don't need so much. I, I think that's I think that's also a factor on uh, crude demand. China had a had a massive import number in April, and lo and behold, their main numbers were down. Right. Uh, you know, total total crude imports, and that's not a big surprise. We'll see where where you know June and uh, July comes through comes in, but I suspect that uh, we definitely see, you know that we've seen some of that on a uh, on a global basis, and there therein you know lies demand for crude. But the thing that is really kind of worrying is that despite the fact that U.S. crude runs have you know, running well below where they should be or what the market had forecast them to be. Refinery margins, particularly in the Gulf Coast, are are horrendous. Now, whether that's demand-related or, you know, related to flow, you know, product flow because of what's going on on the rivers in the the Midwest, or that's hard to say, but the, the, you know, margins are weak here and they're weak in, in Asia. You know, and that, and that, you know, th- that is on the end user side. You know, Jim. Right. I mean, yes. That, that that's like where. All right. You know, maybe maybe demand really is, you know, really is soft. You know? Yeah, because we we were thinking global. There weren't too many signs of global demand uh, weakening too much. And um, you know, if you look at again going to the EIA's release earlier today, uh, they shaved a couple hundred thousand barrels off of. Um, Looks like off of uh, 2019 demand, right? Right. Yeah. So they're yep. at 1.2 now, right? That's that. So they shaved 200,000 from the last forecast. They they also shaved supply as well, but I'm but the global demand is uh, looks like it's not as strong as they thought, right? And and these main numbers in the U.S. came in real soft. Uh, at least the unrevised numbers uh, came in soft. And diesel uh, distillates the the you know, really came in soft. And that could, that also, you know, it's hard to say because the, the, the planting owing to these floods is, is running way behind normal, you know, in, right. the, in the Midwest. And, and, you know, as we know, you, you need diesel for the, uh, for the farm equipment. So, um, you know, there's a, the weather may, you know, may or may not have played havoc with, with some of these, with some of these numbers. Uh, or you know, it could be a response to an economic to some 
to an economic slowdown. We, we don't know yet. Has to, uh, we, have to, we need more numbers. We need more numbers. <laughs> we, we, need more, we, need, we need more data. But, well, um, it's interesting because um, on, on the move down, you know, I was watching the, um, the options market and um, I put this on our blog, as, uh, but the, the, the flow, everything that you would expect to happen in the options market on these big moves down, you know, volume was up, more puts than calls traded, volatility blew out, all that stuff you'd expect happened. And yet you saw more open interest show up, increase in the call side than the put side. So I was kind of thinking, well, you know, if, you're, if you were a barrel counter, if you, if you had listened to our podcast, that's, that's kind of what you would be doing. You would be putting on, and you don't know for sure whether they're bullish or bearish positions, but typically when open interest in calls on a decline happen, it's somebody build, you know, buying them, not selling them. So, so I, was, I was reading that as, you know, somebody buying, uh, or the market as a whole buying dips in a, in a way. And then um, the market made, you know, went up for a couple of days after that. And it made bigger, you know, new lows. <laughs> right. And, and the, but the same pattern, the same option pattern as people were. So, so basically, you know, you have to say maybe it was adding more fodder for the, for the bears to, uh, to destroy. I guess. Yeah, that could definitely be. Jim. Yeah. I mean, we've seen that before. That's, that's right. So that, that's but it, for sure. it, was, it was a little, uh, it was a little like a counter, uh, so maybe it's happening now. We'll see. It's, but, but still, the, the market did collapse. Also, since I uh, brought up options, you know, I had talked about earlier in the year how, how the volume was uh, kind of low. And it picked up uh, last month, 153,000 uh, a day. But still, that was down like 14% from last year. And, and um, the year-to-date's running around 122, 32% down from last year. And I, I, you know, I just have to think that there's a lot of speculative activity that's, uh, that's gone. You know, it's just, maybe they just haven't been able to make money in this noisy market. I mean, you have, you have the usual noise of oil and then you have our president who's, um, you know, sending tweets out that, that move the market. So it's really, uh, so I don't know, but it just seems like there's less, uh, less option activity out there these days. So, I I think that's true, Jim. And uh, you know, I talked to a number of traders this this week and last week. You know, talking about tweet risk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I never thought ever that, that you know we'd I'd have a serious discussion, you know, with with a uh, oil trader about tweet risk, but uh, but we did. And that's... you know, his his conclusion was, you know, they're they're really shaving their positions because, you know, they, they've done the fundamental re- analysis and, you know, something like the Mexican tariffs, can, you know, comes out or something, right. something about China. Right. Um, you know, I, I think this, this move seems more, you know, more than to just tweet risk, but, you know, tr- Trump has become a, a big factor in, in our markets. Yeah, I have to. I have to say, um, I also, uh, you know, I, I talk about it's. It's an oh my god world. But I, I wrote uh, one of my pet peeves, and I'm sure I talked about this on previous podcasts. When for some reason, when the market goes down by twenty percent, the financial press media has to say, 
you know, we've, we've entered into a bear market. It's, I, I don't know, I don't know where that came from the 20, I mean, it, you know, if I, if I buy oil today, it goes down tomorrow. I feel like we're in a bear market, right? right. And, you know, right. And, yeah. and the thing about, you know, when, when we were 2014, when we went from hundred down to, you know, 60 or, or even, you know, eventually got down into the below 30 bucks. Can you imagine telling a producer or a producer reading this in one of the leading financial papers, we, we go from uh, the low and we go up 20% and now we're in a bull market, but we've only gone up by maybe $6. I mean, right. It's just, it's, it's nonsense. I don't know why, why, you know, you find that kind of talk, but that's, that's just me. I have a well, lot of pet that, peeves. Yeah, that 20% is, is you know, is, has become almost institutionalized. For, I know, it's, it, you know, and it's almost, a, the, when they tell you you're entering a bear market, I, I'm guessing it's probably more likely than not a time to be buying it, not to be thinking of, oh, we're in a bear market, we should be selling. Right. right? It's, it's just so misleading. That's, that's all I'm saying. You know what I think is, um, you know, talking talk about the producers, you know, hopefully they, they had a nice window where the calendar 2020 was over $60 or very close to $60. And, uh, you know, hopefully they took advantage of it by, uh, by sell hedging. I mean, there's, you know, I, I, and I think they did. I think, that, um, you know, the open interest has, has been pretty robust in like the DS 20 and the DS 21 futures there's been a, there's been a lot of negative press this last week or two on on the uh, EMP companies but you know w- one thing one thing to their benefit was that the market was there to to put on to put on some sell hedges for the balance of uh 2019 2020 you know 2021 didn't quite get up to 60 on the uh when we when the front was 66 60 but you know, it was up to like fifty-eight, fifty-nine, close. Right. Yeah. It. it uh, we probably don't have time to talk about this, but it's another another issue. Is you know, do you do you hedge your business by, you know, buying puts, selling futures, or do you do it by um, strengthening your balance sheet? So you know, I've just I'm just hearing or seeing more people talk about how. You know, especially in the fracking world, there's much more discipline now uh, to think about cash flow and not so much just drill, 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 borrow, 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 drill, drill. So I'm wondering if, you know, there's more of a focus on, you know, cleaning up the balance sheet as opposed to doing lots of hedging. So I, I don't know. I don't know if they caught it or not, but, um, yeah. you know. Well, I think there should be focus on both. Yeah, it's probably, yes, yes. I mean, it's the, the more that you're, your uh, revenues are based on the price of oil, the more you need to hedge, right? We've seen that. I mean, if you're, if you're an integrated oil company, um, maybe, maybe you don't need so much if you're a pure producer. Um, you probably need to be thinking about it for sure. Every we, day. Uh, every day. We, yeah. 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 But, but then my, my comments are, uh, are, I was thinking about, the, I think the EIA put something out that I put on the blog about where the revenues uh, were coming from, and there just it just wasn't a lot coming from hedging uh, over you know over the past few years in the up markets and down markets. Obviously, more would come from the down markets, but it was still a small percent of uh, uh, of the total. But um, we probably should get uh, 
uh, a hedger on here uh, in a future uh, podcast. Oh, I think we, I think we will. I mean, we had Andy Furman on, which was a, which was a, a great podcast. Last yeah, because um, he he talks to these these folks all the time, and right. that's his business. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe we'll maybe we'll re-release that one, Jim. Yeah, it, 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 you know, it's it's still very relevant. Yeah, uh, today oh, yeah. As the market comes off. You know, obviously, it's easy to look back in uh, in hindsight, but you know, when you're when you've got a hedging program, you need you need discipline and you, and you need foresight. Yes, and, and you need to know, you know, what what price is going to work for you and do it. You know, right when it when it hits your uh, hits your target. I suspect that that they may get another chance. Yeah, uh, yeah. To, I was going to ask you. Um, you know, some people are talking about how, yes, it's a little, the market's a sloppy now, but very soon we're going to tighten up again and we'll be off to the races. It, it should. The, as, I, as I mentioned, the, the, you know, the Brent market is still pretty tight. Part of that is the, the, Russian, pro, the Russian problem. Uh, on the um, contaminated crude, so there's been alternative demand for uh, for North Sea crudes uh, and other lighter type crudes, and part of that is there there is some maintenance in the North Sea, and, and we don't know if the if the if their stock draws are or, or not because that data is not you know is not available yet. But I, I think our market is is I think the the U.S. market could tighten up as soon as these runs. We need to get these runs going, right? Uh, and the, the, they should, as we head into June and into July, you know, we we'll, we should start seeing our runs get from, uh, you know, under 17 million barrels a day up to like 17 and a half, uh, 17. The, the EIA has them up to 17.8, I think, something in either July or August. So that so demand for crude's about to really is about to really explode uh, crude runs. But, you know, again, we'll see what happens. You know, we're also going to need to see petroleum product demand, you know, still, still carrying it because, you know, the, these margins have to improve. I was going to ask you, uh, can you kind of see that in the uh, crude curve that, that uh, your know, runs are going to start picking up? No. No. Not really. Not no. really. Um, I, I think, well, what's happened in the crude curve is, I, I guess so, Jim. I mean, the, the, you know, the backwardation was pretty severe, and that, that's softened because of the infrastructure problems. So it's hard to, you know, it's now contango. So it's, it's sort of hard to, it's hard to see right. you know, in, in, the, uh, in the curve. But, you know, you can definitely see the curve flattening out or getting less backward dated. You know, it's definitely a function of these stocks growing way more than what the market had anticipated. So one would think that as the runs increase and stocks draw, that the curve should should tighten up. Now there was a big trade, right, Jim, on on in the CSOs. Well, there's a yeah, which which SEP. Yeah, the, um, Senate or Sepak. I mean, there's some. Yeah, you know, I don't have the, the specific trade in front of me, but I have, um, I have the uh, the top twenty open interest, and and um, if you look at on the put side, it's it seems to be the minus twenty five put going out. It, maybe the the 
the big open interest is is uh, you know the Ock Novi Dece fifteen thousand. You know, if you're talking about August, the minus twenty five put has eleven thousand open, and the flat put has eight thousand. So I'm I'm not sure which one of those was uh, the one you're talking about. Um, and then on the on the call side, the SEP Ock plus twenty five calls got twenty six thousand. That's the one. That's uh, twenty. Uh, sorry, twenty five thousand. Yeah. yeah, that's the one. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's, uh, that's like 8,000 more lots of open interest more than anything. And uh, yeah, there's a little bit of volume yesterday, looked like uh, some liquidation, but yeah, so the SEPOC plus 25. And then this, you know, if you use a strip OC, uh, Novi Dece, the plus 25 is, uh, is the most, it's got the most open interest. So yeah, those have been, those have been pretty busy, uh, active uh, over the, over the last uh, month or so. But yeah, so that that that's I guess that was my question is, you know, are we are we moving so so there's a delay in having these refiners come back to full capacity. Does that push everything out a couple months? Are we gonna see uh we're gonna see them go back into uh turnarounds at their usual time or are they gonna push that out more because of uh you know Well the, I don't think they're gonna push it out. You have this IMO coming up. You know, they want, and a lot of this delay is getting ready for the, um, you know, the new specs on the, on the shipping for, for shipping. So, you know, I think in October, November, they'll be, you know, they'll be taking their turnarounds. They um, will be. They will be, but it, it'd probably be, probably be shallower than, you know, what they've taken this, uh, this spring. And, um, and at the same time, they're not going to, because it, because they haven't come back so quickly now, they, you don't think. So you think it's, it's the scheduled maintenance will be at the usual times? Yeah, I think it'll be the usual times. You know, they're, they're coming back at, at a poor margin environment. So, but again, it's unclear, you know, exactly why these margins are, are as, you know, as poor as they are unless, you know, demand really, you know, if demand is really horrendous, then yeah. Right. Uh, but, but, you know, there are, all, there are all kinds of infrastructure problems. So it's, it's really the Gulf Coast that, that uh, demand, uh, the margins are okay up here in the Northeast, but the Gulf Coast, they're, they're pathetic. So it'll be interesting to see how, how everything clears out over the next uh, few weeks. And we also, let's not forget, we have an OPEC meeting coming up this, either this month or the early July. So the market will start, you know, turning its, uh, Turning its lonely eyes to to, uh, to OPEC. Uh, it's it, it's scheduled for the twenty fifth or the twenty sixth, right? Right. Uh, they were talking about maybe moving it back to the first week in July. I think it's uh, I think it's still scheduled for the twenty fifth and twenty sixth. So the um, the Saudis were about I think five hundred thousand barrels under their um, commitment. Uh, right. And now right. Are, are they? Do you have them as what? Well, the last the last numbers for for May were more like their their commitments like ten three I think it is, and the May numbers were were a little closer to ten. Um, okay. So you know that they've said if you know if the market needs those extra three hundred, you know that they provide it, but obviously you know clearly given where the price is. You know that they they're not going to. I don't. I don't see them increasing to ten ten three. You know they may even dial it back. You know dial it back some. They're they're, you know they were they were very happy. You know at the seventy to seventy five. I think I think they'd be okay 
a Brent 65 to, uh, to 70, but you know, down here, down Brent near 60. Nah, I mean, they, they need, they need some higher prices, you know, to, for, for all their, uh, fiscal commitments. So, so, so what are the, uh, the issues going into this meeting? The issues are good. Yeah. I mean, the, the, well, the main issue is whether or not they're going to renew their uh, production deal, which expires on, ju- on June 30th. And given the fact that no matter what they say about inventories and supply demand and, and everything else going forward, they're pretty price responsive. And, <laughs> you, know, you know, at the end of the day, you know, right. it's going to be, it's, you know, what the Brent price is and what the, the num- formulas are. Yes. Right? It's number one on the hip parade. You well, know, Andy, you you remember when the OPEC ministers didn't believe futures prices? That, yes. Know, yeah, and you remember one minister said to the press, "Don't believe those numbers you see on your screens." Do you remember that? Yeah, right. <laughs> that's where we realized that they oh, these guys are watching the price very closely. <laughs> very closely. Yeah. And, um, so, having said all that, yeah, I mean, the, with Brent you know, closer to 60 than 70, you know, and I don't see, I don't see any particular rush to increase, to end the deal. And I think the Russians are now on board, you know, that they, they need higher prices as well, particularly after this catastrophe with the uh, friendship pipeline. So, you know, I, I, it looks as though, you know, the deal is going to be extended, you know, maybe through the end of, probably, you know, probably through the end of the year. And, you know, there may, there may be some pressure on, you know, Iraq is probably a little, Iraq's taken a lot of the Iranian market share. You know, we'll, we'll see what they, what they you know, if, if they pressure Iraq at all. But OPEC production's around 30 million barrels a day. You know, I, I think it could go a little bit lower, but not, but not too much. I think it's going to be 30 plus or minus a couple of hundred thousand barrels a day, at least through the third quarter and maybe into the fourth quarter. And what's what do you what do you have as the call? Well, the call, assuming that demand is down two to three hundred barrels a day, I, the third quarter looks like it's about thirty point five, thirty point six, maybe. And fourth quarter looks like it's about twenty nine eight, twenty nine nine. So you know, third looks like we're going to draw. Fourth looks balanced. And then first and second, you're, you're depending on how, how much U.S. production increases uh, in the first half. You know, we're, we're looking at uh, stock builds, particularly the second quarter, according to the EIA, looks ugly. You know, big, big stock build. Mm. So, um, you know. We're, we're, is, that, is that what you're looking at, too? For second quarter? So- well, you, you know, the, the, we haven't gotten, uh, yeah, yeah, second quarter 2020 looks like it. I'm talking about second quarter 2020. Right, that's right. Um, and we, we're, later this week, we're, we'll see what the IA, this, they'll have their first look at 2020. And I think OPEC does as, as well. I'm not, I'm not sure, you know, whether, whether OPEC gives you a 2020 look, but the IEA definitely is giving you a 2020 look this, in couple of days um i think it i think that yeah i mean it, it's certainly possible that we get you know somewhere near a five hundred thousand barrel a day stock build in the in the second quarter 
Wow. So we have a long way to get. We have a yeah, long way to go. Right. To Let's fig there. figure out tomorrow. Right. We were, we were pretty certain that we'd see, you know, fourth quarter 2018, the whole world was buying $100 calls. Right. You know, that's right. Because we yep. were going to draw inventory like there was no tomorrow. Yes. And, uh, you know, that, that certainly didn't happen. Came crashing down. Um, just a couple of things. The, we mentioned this, the big three, the EIA, that's the, the uh, arm of the U.S. DOE that came out today, earlier this afternoon. The OPEX report, the monthly report, comes out on Thursday, the IEA on Friday. Now, the OPEC report and the IEA report get well reported in the financial news. Nobody seems to care about the EIA, and it's a good report, right? It, yeah. It's, it, it's, I mean, they're it's, all good, but it's – Yeah. But the, I'm, I'm not sure why, you know, because um, the IEA, IEA – yeah, 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 is the gold standard, you know. Yeah, right. And uh, then all the then OPEC and then all the bank reports. So, I, the EIA, the short-term energy outlook, may, maybe it's because you know the EIA puts out so much information. The short-term energy outlook, which came out today, does get a lot of press on what they think about the U.S. All oh, right, US, right, right, that's, production, that's demand. The the global stuff, I, I think they you know doesn't doesn't carry as much weight as uh, the the what the IEA is saying and and OPEC. So so I mentioned the um the the EIA which came out today the second quarter they have a a draw of two hundred thousand barrels a day for the second quarter this is worldwide and for the third quarter they have a draw of six hundred thousand right. Yeah. And, then, and then within a, um, there was a, um, a Reuters story that kind of summarized what people are looking at in 2020, the surplus. And they had um, anywhere from 100,000 barrels up to 800,000 barrels of surplus for 2020. So, you know, I'm thinking about this. Well, how do, do, you, do you trade this, you know, decline? I mean, if it's, if it's a draw, do you, do you trade that or do you trade? trade the build that's coming out of how do, how do you play that i mean that's that's uh, the, that, that's the game that's, right that's the game yeah you know that that's definitely the get that that's the game so um yeah. so so what do you think is going to happen going forward what what i think is going to happen i mean clearly the market has moved into a, a lower range than what we thought you know, right. uh, frankly, I, you know, I thought we'd see new highs in uh, May, May or June, and it clearly didn't happen. Uh, I think there's still a lot of, uh, you know, as we just spoke about, you know, the, despite the fact that, you know, demand may be, may be softer, we know that crude demand is going to be going to increase because these runs are going to go up and there's going to be, uh, and in both U.S. and in Asia, where there's some new refinery capacity coming up. So I do think we are going to see these draws. I think that OPEC is going to renew their, their price deal. And I, I think the market is, uh, you know, going to settle into a, going to settle into a range. It's, you know, it's unlikely to get up to 60 I shouldn't. Well, I, you know, right now it's hard to say say it's going to exceed WTI sixty sixty, which was the old, which was the uh, old high. But could it get into some kind of like, you know, fifty to sixty range or fifty two to to fifty eight? You know, something like that. I th I think you know we'll we'll start seeing the market 
Um, your, your bias is that we're, we're at the lower end of a range. Yeah, 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 yeah. My bias is definitely more of the, yeah. Like you you wouldn't end. expect to see a four handle in this market. Well, I think it's possible, Joe. No, I know. Right? No. I mean, yep. uh, per, no, I wouldn't, I really wouldn't expect to see it unless we, you know, like if these refineries never come back, you know, and, and runs stay really low and demand continues to, you know, continues to soften. It, it's certainly possible, you know, if we're yeah. in more than an economic slowdown. Right. It, you know, it's, it's certainly, you know, it's, it's certainly possible. Right. Yes. But third quarter looks pretty good. You know, third quarter looks okay. Third quarter looks, you know, looks constructive. Yeah, that's probably what's behind all that uh, call trading, right? In the plus 25 SEPOC. Yeah. Yeah. If somebody thinks uh, somebody is putting money down thinking that the refineries come back, situation's uh, much tighter, and um, we go into, uh, you know, we, we go backwardated above 25 cents. Right. Now, where that could fall apart is refineries come back, margins continue to, you know, demand continues to weaken, and all of a sudden their economic run cuts. So that's, that's something to watch. So, again, we're, we're coming out of this podcast similar to where we were in the May podcast, with the, looking for things to tighten up just as an, as Yeah, an but not quite as explosive as, uh, you know, as May. I mean, Terrific. Because of, because of this stock build, you know, right. we're, now we're working on a much higher inventory number than, you know, we had, we had imagined, you know, we're in the four eighties on crude. Yeah. I didn't have four eighty. I had maybe four seventy something as, as a outside peak. Mm. Okay. Um, what, what did we miss? What, anything uh, we need to uh, add before we sign off this month, Andy? I think we, I think we have everything. Yeah. Uh, we went through a lot of stuff. That's, yeah. that's yeah. for sure. We even threw in some, uh, you know, our hedging conversation. Yeah. Uh, I th- you know, I think uh, there's, there's so much stuff going on as always in, in these oil markets. It's hard to cover everything, but um, you know, you start hitting, uh, I think, I think we hit the bulk of it. Yeah. But as usual, you can find us on the, uh, Find us on the web at www.commodityresearchgroup.com and you can reach me at A-L-E-B-O-W at commodityresearchgroup.com. Okay. Thank you very much, Andy. We'll, uh, we'll do this again next month. Yes, we will. Thanks, Jim.